Hello all, happy Monday, fun day. Welcome to another episode of That Creative Life. We are kicking it off with some Q&A that's usually at the end, but we're going to scooch it to the front. And then we are interviewing Adam Barker. It's just a fun chat about New York City startup culture, uh, programming development, if you're curious about that. Um, super fun convo. But before we get started, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening. We got so much good feedback from last week's episode with my dad. That one, if you want to check out, was all about the basics of the stock market. And we really got into the basics of mutual fund, stock, indexes. What are the differences of those things? Because I think the biggest barrier between becoming that type of person who can earn on their money is just knowledge you know, and it's out there, but hopefully this podcast helps you with knowing what to Google to start that knowledge journey. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure to do it. And thank you so much for all the great feedback. And it would mean the world to me. It would mean the world if you left a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Podcasting is like a weird world where there's little transparency, but it's almost like the one metric is Apple Podcast reviews. I know that seems so silly, but it really does mean a lot if you leave a review. And obviously, you guys have been checking out the YouTube channel. That will be back shortly once we have some interviews going back again, uh, doing a lot of, you know, over the phone interviews in this in this new world <laughs> that we're in. Um, but let's just go go straight into some questions and then we'll hop into Adam's interview. Okay. First question is from BYNUQ on Instagram. When you and John have kids and growing up they want to be YouTubers what would be your thoughts (laughs) I mean listen I think that's awesome I think YouTube social media this amazing world that we live in it really empowers the individual and you can have a voice no matter who you are and it really gives you the ability to be creative and I don't know we talk about this later in, in the interview with Adam but when you have an idea you have the tools that you're disposal, whether it's a laptop, a phone camera, to just create, to have an idea, to bridge that gap between the idea and it being out in the world. That's such a, that gap has really shrunken. So shrunken, is that a word? Shrunk. That gap has really shrunk um, in the previous years. So if my kid wants to be a YouTuber, even if that is the thing in 10 years, 15 years, I say more power to him. I I hope though, and this is what I see from a lot of kids these days, that makes me sound so old, I'm never going to say that again, is people want to be YouTubers just to be YouTubers. And maybe you out there listening to this, you've had that thought before. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think what makes YouTubers special and YouTube as a platform special is a person has a skill or credibility in a field or advice to be given or maybe just a life that is super entertaining and meaningful already and then they share some of the best advice that I've heard and that I've given to people who want to start YouTube channels is what are you passionate about what is just your thing maybe it's wood shop working maybe it's house flipping maybe it's tech um you know real things maybe it's studying and you're a university student there's so many channels dedicated to studying and notes and all of those things whatever it is have that thing and then choose a creative medium to share that 
with, whether it's video on YouTube, whether it's writing in medium, whether it's pictures, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, I think that's what makes it so special on these platforms is sharing that experience and then the audience gaining inspiration, gaining knowledge, gaining anything that's really productive. Uh, so I think where people get thrown in a weird loop is when they really don't have anything to share. They want to YouTube just to YouTube. And <laughs> listen, don't take me right. Like, don't take this wrong. You have to just start to get better at anything. But a lot of people start without knowing what to talk about. And they kind of just become this recycled version of whoever they watch. So I think it's great to be inspired by certain styles, different mediums, whether it's podcasts, vlogs, tech reviews, etc. But adding your own flavor, being able to have your own personality goes a long way. And I know I totally derailed from that question. If my kid wants to be an astronaut or a YouTuber, more power to them. I'm just not going to allow them to spend $80,000 a year on a college education. Hey yo. <laughs> okay, next question from MC Zek Photo. MC Zek Photo. Do you think that TikTok will overtake Instagram in the future or is it going to die like Vine? Oh, womp, womp, womp. Oh, Vine was so great. You know, that's a great question and something that people are debating a lot. When Vine was in its prime, I never would have thought that it would die off. However, I was wondering how are they monetizing this? What's going on? Like, this is so weird that it's not monetized yet. And TikTok seems like it's being monetized in a way, in a very fruitful way. I get ads all the time on there and their algorithm is amazing. So they're not necessarily dependent on six huge talents like Vine was. I remember I obsessively watch Liza Koshy and all, all the people in that Vine group. But once they left for YouTube, Vine kind of lost something. TikTok is the first platform that isn't reliant on these specific personalities because their algorithm is so good. The algorithm puts videos in front of you where you don't necessarily care who's making those videos, right? I don't remember the last time that I actually followed someone on TikTok, but I'll sit there for hours and watch. And so their algorithm is so refined where you will keep going back to the app because you're entertained. You will keep going back to the app because it's fun to make it. And it's kind of like the lottery thing where, okay, I'm going to make five TikToks a day for a month. And literally like one is bound to go viral, right? So it it's just such this weird app that doesn't seem like it needs all of the classic things that other apps needed to survive. So I don't think it's going to necessarily overtake Instagram or replace Instagram, but I think it has carved out its own niche in this social media world that no one has done before. It's like a new, a new thing which is very rare. <laughs> it seems like everyone's always fighting um, for, you know, this one finite amount of attention. Okay, last two questions. Here we go. Andu Singer says, do you and John help each other editing videos? No, we don't help edit. Well, okay. So back in the day, two or three years ago, I actually edited one of his video parts, <laughs> which I just, it was like a fun project and it was very kind of him to let me do that because video skate parks are such a sacred thing, I feel like. And I really put my own twist on it without knowing how other skaters typically edit their parts and it was pretty different. 
I don't, yeah, he, he didn't give me any feedback, so I hope it was okay. Um, but that was fun. But I will say, John, on the regular, has to help me with thumbnails. So I'll sit there and be like, hey, John, John, is this okay? Would you click on this video? And he, he'll give me some feedback. And it's reminiscent of <laughs> in high school. I was terrible at English. So I got help from my mom with English papers. It'd be the night before. And I'd be like, hey, mom, I need some help with my paper. And it started with her giving me suggestions. But then it just ended up being like, Sarah, scoot over. Let me write this entire paragraph for you. <laughs> And so that's how a lot of times John is with thumbnails. I'll ask him questions and then he'll be like, listen, let me let me just get on your computer and do this for you. And he is a thumbnail wizard and it helps me so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, John. <laughs> and the last question, when are you going to start? Or so this is from say underscore pretty hot. When are you going to start a family channel like the Ace family? <laughs> I don't think that'll ever happen. I mean, never say never. And the Ace family isn't really like the type of family channel I would aspire to. I think that's the nicest way I can say that. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Just as long as my main income doesn't rely on my children, then I'll be comfortable sharing content with them. I just think it's so messed up when the, the entire parent's income relies on like their kids performing. So yeah family channels who knows <laughs> um okay well that wraps it up for q a thank you for asking me questions you can always just tweet me instagram dm me if you use the hashtag that creative life on twitter i do see them much easier um before we get into the interview with adam barker who is a little intro here a developer a business owner and also adam and i are doing this little project called switchboard that will be a program that will be hitting your faces i don't know hopefully in the last part of the year i call switchboard a little project because it, it seems like that right now but really our hope is that this software helps a ton of people and i'm really excited for for it to become more of my day-to-day. -day. I, I really enjoy diving into products and seeing, hey, what can be better about this? Talking to creators, what are their needs? So, you know, stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. Before we get into that interview, I would just like to say thank you so much, Care Of, for sponsoring this podcast. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. So hassle-free vitamins and supplements delivered straight to you. So this was very intriguing to me because I listen to Joe Rogan a lot and he always talks about strengthening your immunity and it got me honestly a little bit insecure about my immune system, overall health. And then John makes his fruit and veggie shake with his special protein powder every single morning. And, you know, I was looking around saying, Sarah, you got to start taking this stuff seriously. So thank you, Kara, for sponsoring this podcast and giving the audience a 50% off discount code on your first order. All you have to do is go to takecareof.com and order using the promo code that creative life 50. 
thatcreativelife50. Okay, that's great, Sarah, but I don't even know where to start. Well, guess what? They have an amazing, easy online quiz that you can find the vitamins and powders that will support your specific health goals. So I took this. I'm really glad that they address the level of knowledge that you have going forward because I had to say, hey, I'm a little skeptical. I don't know much. Lead the way. I was able to enter my goals, whether it was general health or specific needs like immunity, sleep, stress, energy, brain, skin. And I chose immunity, went through the steps and y'all, they took care of me. Can I share my results with you just really quick? They recommended fish oil because, well, I never eat fish. They recommended vitamin C because I take public transportation. Well, not as much anymore, but you know. And then apparently I live above 37 degrees latitude so they recommended vitamin d and then they recommended a super berry powder for me to again boost that immune system so really they just take care of you with only a five minute quiz listen the vitamin aisle is confusing and it's intimidating so for 50 percent off your first care of order go to takecareof.com and enter the code that creative life 50 that creative life 50 Thank you so much, Kara, for sponsoring this podcast. And without further ado, our wide-ranging conversation with Adam Barker. What's up, guys? We're here with Adam Barker. I'll do a whole thing before this, so we'll just jump into things. Thought it'd be fun to chat with you because the state of the world, it's interesting, right? Um, and I know both of us follow a certain Twitter that's like VC Twitter. So we get updated with what's happening in the startup world and also how people respond to that. And then also you run a business in New York City with employees that started as a startup vibe, kind of. Now it's a viable business. You have employees. You've had to go through, you know, applying for PPP loans and you've you've been in it. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk to you about the state of New York City right now and running a company right. and we'll just talk we'll just talk and hang talk and hang yeah. surviving covid the MYST mm, edition exactly and then I've taken screenshots and side note as I've gotten more into the iPad with the latest and greatest iPad Pro I'm back into the Apple ecosystem a little bit more and just the small things where I don't know do you have photo stream turned on yeah. it's so handy and I feel like people don't know about it. I'm like, why is no one talking about PhotoStream? It's basically where it just, on all of your Apple devices, you can have all of the screenshots and pictures from all of your Apple devices in this one photo stream from the past 30 days. And so all of the screenshots that I've been taking on my iPhone, I can just sit here on my iPad and be like, oh, here's the screenshots. I don't, it, yeah. it seems so simple, but I guess I'm just being reminded of it because I've only only been an iphone that's the only piece of the apple ecosystem i've had in a while is my iphone i haven't had a second device to share it with it's fun yeah and this is, it almost sounds like you're a little bit of an announcement you make that you're actually coming back to the apple let's <laughs> no, not doesn't no. it it's kind of like oh i Guys, remember he's... this stuff is, i remember how easy this stuff is <laughs> right right uh he's making things up guys I'm still, <laughs> I'm still team Dell XPS. I love my XPS, but you know, it hasn't, it's not lost on me why people use the Apple ecosystem, even if the hardware is a little bit frustrating sometimes. Anyways, it's just nice photo stream. Go into your uh, iCloud nice. photos settings if you want to turn it on. Okay. So to start off, here's a tweet that I don't know this person. It just landed on my feed, which People, curate your Twitter feed where it's a happy place, not a sad place. It's really helpful because Twitter can get crazy. 
Oh yeah, I actually read that. I actually read that very thing. Where did you get that? Where did you steal that from? Because I feel like I read that like yesterday. The spoke to an NYC founder last night and about office space, or what? No, the read thing what? about curating your Twitter feed to make because it's oh. you know by default it's just nasty drama right. hate. Do you think maybe what's so funny is when people because I feel like we overlap with the stuff we listen to. So maybe it was something I, I listened to recently and it, it resound resounded. Is that the right word? It it touched yeah. me because that's something that over the past years I've been really determined by is like Twitter is my happy place and it's getting pretty ugly. So I got to unfollow these journalists. I got to unfollow, you know, I mean, not all journalists are bad, but some are just like they don't. They don't give anything positive to the world. It's just been so depressing the past few months. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. And I think it was, um, I think it was your homie uh, Dave Perel. Oh, okay. I think he said something because I, um, I purchased his "How to Crush It on Twitter" course. Oh. Yeah, that's considerable expense. Did you buy Crazy. it? Yeah, I did. Actually, with dollars, like real money. <laughs> and so, how is it? Yeah, give David a review. David has been a podcast guest multiple times on this. If you guys want yes. to check him out, but let's let's do a, a David Twitter uh, course review. Uh, well, I'm about halfway through. Okay, it's not super long. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> if, if I'm honest, I look at price and I look at duration, and right. there was a, you know, there what, was, what platform it, does he it, use? He uses um, Teachable. I'm not really sure if that's okay. his own thing or something. He, something he. I don't know. Guess what? It's, I was I was on a panel with the CEO of Teachable. Named. Oh, I forgot. But okay. I just remember. Um, yeah. Does it teach yeah. you how to tweet? Teaches you how to tweet and stuff and I just thought it would be I thought it would just be a nice little refresher because you know you can kind of like overanalyze a lot of a lot of the platform right you can be thinking about tactics and you can be thinking about content and you know it's it's a little bit easier for you obviously you already have a considerable following but when you're kind of like scraping the well I barrel, built like that I Adam I built I know, that I know I'm saying it's easy for you now I know, well, it's easy for you now I'm saying but I will say Twitter seems like an extension of my brain so I'm lucky in the way yes. that I am obsessed with it. So I tend to, I don't even have to think and I will literally tweet probably 30 times a day. If I was completely unfiltered, that's how many times I would tweet. So yeah, sometimes you have to, because the other platforms I have to be way more tactical. So it just seems like that's what you're doing with Twitter. Or you want to try to yeah, be more tactical. Yeah, I'm just trying. To, yeah, I'm just trying. Well, not even su not even like super tactical, but just... Definitely trying to switch up the balance between stuff of value and just random garbage meetings right. thoughts, right? Because they don't they don't really they don't really help anybody. <sighs> but I think David did mention in the course, and um, yeah, at some point that um, you know unfollowing is as important as mm. as anything else because Preach. it can get a little you know mm -hmm. it can get a little uh, can get a, a little, little dicey. Crate, uh, a little dicey and i think by default it's 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 somewhat toxic so go through don't follow any celebrities he recommends not following any organizations almost really um yeah yeah i mean his example is you know the the, the guy that he really respects at cnn follow that guy don't follow the cnn right. account right 
Well, uh, and it brings so back to went- what Twitter is great at is people connecting, right. like literally <laughs> connecting with your, I don't know, like I find myself talking, yes, exactly, Adam's doing a hand motion, but I talk to people on there that I look up to every other day. It's crazy. It's just I would never oh, think well. I would be having a conversation with XYZ. Like I talk to Hank Green all the time. I know he's been on the podcast, so I now consider him you know, more than an internet homie, but the fact that we go back and forth makes me so happy. And I genuinely enjoy talking to him. I think that's what people forget is Twitter is a place for community. So if you can talk Uh about what you like, what you love, what you're into, hopes and dreams, what your job is, you're going to find other people, you know, talking to you about those things. You can form genuine relationships. It's when people get spammy and weird and they use Twitter as like a means to an end for what they want it's like no go and form relationships and ultimately you are going to discover the end goal is there and that oh you'll build relationships that will help you whether it's personally or professionally twitter's been huge for me anyways and it's the first time that we talked i felt like it was a twitter dm right was it but besides (laughs) sweet green after well i mean i only found out about sweet green because you tweeted it there you go there you go. So it's great. It's great for stalking stuff like that. Great I'm, for I'm stalking. For that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's great. And um, yeah. So I mean, I went through and just unfollowed a lot because I think there was like three or four years ago, I probably just went through and just was very reckless following like everybody who had, you know. And I think I was probably thinking, you know, maybe ten percent of these will follow me back. Great. You know, that was kind of the strategy. But I kind of went through and removed everybody that I didn't even, I couldn't even remember or, you know, had no no idea about. And, yeah, like, since doing that, the feed is very much more, now I feel like the feed is more me, right? I'm kind of like, obviously, I talk about software development a lot, and um, there's a huge community of um, developers that are just beginning um, in this industry or they're switching to a second career in development. And that community is massive, so... It's um it's good to be able to um, uh, provide some value with that. So yeah, so yeah, David, awesome course, a little pricey. Mm-hmm. I did, I did, I did actually tweet him for a discount, but he didn't reply. <laughs> uh, but that's all right. I became a but customer over, anyway. Overall, you approve, yeah. Overall, I approve. Well, I think that's an interesting. We'll kind of get sidetracked real quick. But you said there's a big group of developers who are starting their second careers. Because I, I feel like I have a lot of programmers in my audience, and a lot of times we don't speak to them. So it would be curious to kind of gain an insight. What are developers excited about right now? Well, I mean, a lot of the people that I have connected with are people that were doing something completely different and changed to development. Oh, you mean learning. Okay, cool. Learning. From scratch, yeah, like total, total beginners. Wow. And what or, are people um, turning to for resources for that? Um, well, a lot do boot camps, and a lot. Uh, I mean, I think this is why the community is pretty big because there are so many options. There are so many places to go, right? You, you know, even just opening YouTube and just, you know, that could be it. That could be your learning path. There are so many options that, um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of beginner developers need a little more focused um, advice on some of the things to concentrate on within software development. You know, there's thousands of frameworks and there's languages to think about, and 
all sorts of stuff. So I feel like everybody has a um, an individual. Ends up, everybody ends up having an individual path, which is kind of interesting because there's so many directions you can go in. Well, I think that's um, why people the, get so intimidated in the beginning because they don't know where to start. And I found yeah, I thought about you yesterday when I saw a video from this week in startup with at Jason from Twitter. I don't know if you listen to that, but I've been listening to his podcast more and he had a programmer on, I think, you know, he had started his own company and stuff. He seems like a big wig person, but still a programmer at his core. And literally he said, I advise everyone to start with JavaScript and then you can sprinkle in some of the Python, CSS, all those will be like very easy to pick up after JavaScript. And then you can just start layering from there, which I found interesting because I didn't know as a computer science major, you only learn the building blocks of Python and C and that's all we did. So I yep. never got into more of the complex languages where you're just, you're dealing with other things. Python, you know, you open up your terminal and Mac, you're in it and you can start doing stuff and then you have your output window. But that's the only thing, like I'm not interacting with other things. So how would you describe JavaScript and its power of what you can do? Or Node.js, is that the same thing? Pretty much. Okay. It's just where it's just where JavaScript runs. But that's a that's a kind of like a good that's almost the point. It's like it's such a um it's a language that you can use anywhere and apply to anything. So it's definitely the perfect place to start. Unless you unless you know that you wanna be a data scientist and kind of crunch data and do statistics and machine maybe and, and machine learning and stuff like that, then maybe you would choose something else, you know. Um, but if you think, uh, you know, if you just kind of want to generalize or, you know, you're going to be in web development or stuff like that, then yeah, then JavaScript is the perfect, is the perfect place to start. I would agree with the guest of the, uh, yes, I don't know his name. The, yeah. for the people who like more models, statistics, the, the graphical visual stuff, where do you start with that? Well, Python's good for stats and, and machine learning and stuff and then r is is a good one for i think the purists you know the, stati the statistician purists would would use r um so you know there's a couple of there's a couple of different paths depending on what you on where you want to go but you know when you're thinking about development as a second career you don't always know where to go which is right right and you then know, there's you don't know, know what the possibilities are Right. And these boot camps, it's what, three months for like 10K? What does it run you? Because it seems like that is probably the easiest course. And I'm sure a lot of them, you know, you can do 100% online, especially now. Is that around the price or what? what is it? I think it varies. I think that's probably fair. I think, you know, some people get a scholarship to do something for, for free or whatever. Um, but I think that's generally what you what you're looking at. But you know, if this is a second career, you're leaving a job to do this, then you know there's more there's more riding on that decision than just the cost of the course. Right. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of boot camps. Yeah. Um, I like that they I like that they give people the opportunity, but gradually, I'm thinking there needs to be there just needs to be something else. There needs to be an addition hmm. to it. You can't just rely on a boot camp roll to your first development job and expect the world to be rosy. Right. I think there's something in, there's something it's kind in of between. missing that network of people that 
bridges the gap between that and a job. Yeah. I was actually thinking about this recently. I was thinking that, you know, you do a three, if you do a three month uh, boot camp, you should probably think about spending another six to nine months solidifying a lot of that learning. Hmm. Giving yourself uh, your own if, projects. If you're young, right. maybe interning, if you can afford to have that $10 an hour job. <laughs> yeah, obviously it's difficult. It's it's tough. It's tough to do it, to fund it. But if you can, I think it's always good to um, go and fill in some of the some of the blanks that get left out on a boot camp or um, if you sense that you're kind of like really passionate about it, then going and doing some of the more fundamental stuff that you would get if you right. did a CS degree. Why programming? Um, I feel like this is coming like a PCA for programming, but I under, because for the people who don't know, I did electrical engineering and then computer science for literally three and a half years, but it just wasn't for me. But I 100% understand the value and still to this day, I wish I still had more because I think the most powerful thing about it is you have an idea in your head and then you can just do it, right? It's insane. The, you don't, you really don't need much more than an idea in programming, whether it's an app, a website, you know, anything. Um, but what do you find the most the most powerful thing about programming? Because for you, it, it started in like banking. It wasn't the most exciting thing. But were you excited about it then? Did you see the future of possibility? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I started programming when I was a kid, like when I was right. super young. So I, I was always... Yeah, I mean, I was always excited. I always, um, I always knew that it was what I was going to do. Um, I never really questioned anything else, and I did a, you know, a very, I did a two-year community college type thing, and wanted to start work straight away. None of this I questioned. I just kind of got on and did it. So the banking thing was kind of like freelance when I thought I could just make some more money as, you know, instead of sticking around at a in a permanent job somewhere getting more miserable and why did you Um, like it there because you told me something recently that stuck out to me you were around people who were pushing you right yeah well it's the um yeah when you go when you go freelance i mean the freelance contractor community in london when i started was was serious like it was uh, it was a huge part of the industry, um, but it was super competitive and um, tough to kind of like break into. Um, and I was pretty lucky, and I got a couple of recommendations. And once you kind of get a recommendation, you can kind of like move around on those recommendations. You don't really need to interview eventually. Um, but uh, yeah, it was tough, and you end up with a in a hopefully you end up in a pretty strong team and you know i was always invariably felt like i was the weakest in the team that's another layer of pressure um and uh yeah i mean i i you know i met some great i met some great people and learned a ton obviously I used to learn a ton all the time anyway uh but it wasn't always you know it's not you're not super comfortable it's not Contracting not, keeps you on your toes. <laughs> yeah, you're not floating. You're not floating along, especially in a bank. Where, you know, people get people just get fired at the top of a hat, and you don't want to be fired because you're on a day rate, and until you've built up a bit of a buffer, then you've got to go home and kind of start again. You know, 
and try and find something else. So it was a little, a little intense. I mean, the people definitely people had it way worse than I did, but um, yeah, in terms of picking up knowledge and in terms of finding your place in the team, uh, it was great. You can't really, you can't really beat it. I have a lot of respect for anybody that, for anybody that freelances in any capacity, creative, you know, engineering, anything. It's, uh, it's empowering, but it's, it's definitely scary. So a weird balance of like, I can do whatever I want. It's a Thursday and I'm going to watch Netflix all day. But then like, that's the only day in the past 30 days you've been able to do that because you've been working nonstop. Um, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, but, you, but you're right. It is, uh, it is one of those things that is kind of like magic. There's a video, there's a video I saw recently, five minutes, this is about Elon Musk. And, you know, he describes some of the stuff, some of the stuff we're able to do now, um, 20 years ago, people would think was pure magic. And I kind of think the ability to like sit down with a laptop in your home and build pretty much whatever you want is close to, close to, close to magic. Mm -hmm. 100%. Like I would not have a job even 15 years ago with what I'm doing. My path, if I really wanted to do it, would probably to be like a local news anchor or something, sharing stories. <laughs> Can you imagine me doing that? <laughs> Not really. Yeah. <laughs> but that would that would pretty good that would really be my only path. I feel like, <laughs> which is terrifying. But it's so exciting that really anyone has a voice now, and it's true. In terms of, and that's what makes me so excited about the future is if we continue on the correct path. I know things can seem pretty doomsday-y right now. But I think the power of the individual is just going to get stronger. You know, anyone can have a Twitter account, a YouTube channel, and have their voices heard or build that product, which is so cool. I just, I love it. Yeah, I really hope, I really hope that during this time, which has obviously been dreadful for, for many people, that I really hope there's just like, thousands of people have just decided to start the thing right they've just been at home they're stuck at home and they've just been like oh i'm just gonna try doing that and i just hope there's you know i hope there's like many thousands of people that are now on a on a path that this 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 whole coronavirus thing has opened up for them and they'll just look back at it as being a super like a crazy weird time Mm -hmm. you hear stories all the time 2008 oh, I want to do this thing, but I had a job. I got fired from the job, so I finally did that one thing. And hopefully, you know, it gives people permission to do it who haven't had it in the past. Um, So Yeah, exactly like that. Some of the tweets that have surfaced, a lot of people talking about New York City, obviously. And it's so funny, when I was going back over the bridge into Brooklyn and, like, the sun was setting and I saw the city, literally a tear, I didn't cry, but I got a little water and one singular tear just went down on my cheek just because I I don't know, just something about the city you love so much. But then it, it does bring up those conversations of people are leaving the city. And this is in the same way that this is going to give permission to people to start their dream. It's also giving people permission to leave. <laughs> right. It's like they're like, oh, this is literally the perfect time. I've been wanting to leave New York City. I want a freaking backyard. See ya. Right. Um, yeah. 
And so it's also bringing up hard, hard, hard conversations for me and John, I think, of he's a skater boy. California is always going to have his heart. Me, I'm obsessed with New York City. Even coming back in the middle of the pandemic, I'm just like, oh, this is, a, I love it. I love it so much. Um, but then a lot of companies are having that conversation. People are working remote. Weird. Maybe I don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars on this commercial real estate. Everyone knows commercial real estate here is just insane. You know, it's insane. So now people are really shifting their thought. And this guy at S-H-A-I-G, Shy G on Twitter said, spoke to an NYC founder last night. He isn't renewing his office space. We'll save the company $3 million per year, 3 million plus a year, which is just insane if you think about it. We'll use some of the money to get the company together in person several times a year for an offsite, exploring flex space for employees to gather once a week. Flex space. Um, continue to say he was making an interesting case for the WeWork model being more interesting now as it would provide yep. this sort of flex space for bigger companies who won't renew their leases. The idea of a startup or corporation signing a 10-year lease, because a lot of times they are really long, three, five, 10-year lease. Um, signing a 10-year lease is insane. Old news, commercial real estate is going to be forced to rethink how they go to market. There is certainly still a need for what they are providing. It's just they haven't evolved and now their hands are forced and you're pretty close to this in that you guys union real time your current company literally was about to sign one of those leases like literally right before the pandemic which is interesting so how have your you know your vision of everything and how has everything shift for you guys because how many employees well, we're not. We definitely we're only a small we're only a small team, so we were never yeah. on. We were never about to sign a three minute. Well, right, right. But still, you <clears> had yeah. a considerable office space that isn't cheap. I'm sure it's well over five thousand a month, which is a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, our current space is 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 not is not huge by any means, but it is a considerable liability to you know you know to have on your to have on your books. And um, it the lease expires in August, so February sometime. We started having a conversation with uh, Cushman Wakefield about the ne- what the next move is, and you know we thought we had six months to kind of like get it to get it right and figure everything figure everything out. Um, but it's you know that concept has literally just been blown out the water. <laughs> literally just we've done a complete 180 on it and um yeah the, the 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 flex space thing could now be huge this could, right. this could say this could say it we could work. say we work we were just yeah. literally right before this everyone was writing their think pieces on like everyone's freaking idiot and you know SoftBank bought out the uh bought out the founders and stuff and all this stuff was happening and now people are like Actually, I wouldn't mind signing maybe a six-month lease for a little bit of, oh, and free coffee, so I wouldn't have to worry about that. My employees can come and go as they as they want. Interesting. <laughs> okay, editing Sarah is going to butt in real quick because I actually discovered this awesome Twitter thread from 2018 talking about the role of an office and the open floor plan, etc., since everyone is talking about that right now. Uh, it is from at J.G. Heller, J.G. Heller, 
um, on the Twitter. And he's basically arguing that, like, open space is the worst remote work works. But for the times when you do need an office, the best model is the university model or how colleges are structured. And I thought it was actually pretty interesting. So he said it, it breaks it down into three spaces. The library, and I'm reading his tweets now. So it says the library, a place to do solo work and get resources, which today takes place on the internet. Silence is enforced by staff and peers. There is no assigned seating. The library is not my office, yet there is no time limit on sitting. There are fewer seats than students. Limited supply helps limit the pretext that by sitting in the library, you are just magically doing work, which is common, which is a common phenomenon of the office desk. The second thing, the classroom. It's booked on a recurrent basis, mostly by teachers, managers. Emphasis on the reoccurring meeting, less on one-offs. The setup incentivizes parties to be more conscious of the use of group time. And in the last place, the courtyard. A place to meet and socialize. Helps build relationships, which in turn fosters better collaboration and to encounter the unexpected. Classrooms on one end, the library at the other, courtyard in the middle. Being at the office all day feels oppressive to me. Having my own desk isolates me in a place designed to get people together. Open floor plans breed interruption. Easy interruption leads to shallow thinking. Okay, I mean, I thought that was a pretty smart Twitter thread, and this dude only has like 13 likes per tweet, so I think it was a pretty good find by your girl Sarah Peach. But that basically illustrated everything that was in my brain when I was talking to Adam about this, which I think is pretty smart. And I think it's a very interesting topic in these current times. Okay, back to the podcast. Yeah, and you know, the weird thing is that we still, we've had two or three conversations with our with our person at Cushman Wakefield about what we still want to do. And we've been like, you know, it doesn't really make any sense for us mm-hmm. to even think about this right now. Um. But we're still kind of hearing that, you know, the rates. Nothing's budging charge, not Nothing's budging. you got to have tenants at some point, right? you got to have tenants, yeah. Yeah. And we, were, we, we were looking at a space that's been empty for a while in Midtown. You know, Midtown's kind of like convenient for us and people coming into Grand Central and stuff. So we haven't really looked further afield than that. But... Uh, yeah, that we were looking at a space that's been empty for over two years, and yeah, the the, the dollar per square foot just hasn't just hasn't shifted at all. What, what's it at? Uninterested. Sorry again. What's the dollar per square foot right now? Um, like fifty five. Fifty five, fifty five hundred. No, fifty five dollars a square foot per okay. year. Oh, okay. I've been looking at so much residential that that confused me for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I guess that includes, because when you look at apartments, it's like 1500 per square foot average for New York City. So why does that confuse me so much that that's so low? I don't know. Oh, wait. I mean, when you do the, when you do the math, it's a big number. Per month. Because I guess I'm doing the annual price to buy something. Yeah. Okay. Right? Oh, right. Is that why I'm confused? Right, yeah. Okay. Maybe. But this is like, 50, so if you go for like a 10,000 square foot, you know, it's, it's, that's 600 grand a year. It's, it's real yeah. money. Okay. Yeah. Jeez. Jeez. Okay. Well, what, what have been 
the struggles of working with a remote team and what have been good. You work with, you would say like three other programmers, four other programmers? Because the overall team is how big? Well, there's five programmers now. Ironically, we took two people on just after we closed the office. Okay. They're already like, we're coming on board. So they just began working from home one day and, you know, we do a, uh, we do a, a meeting every morning, at least one meeting every morning with everybody. Um, do you use Zoom? So, Google Hangouts? Yeah, we use Zoom. Okay. <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's it's good. It's good in that everybody has the flexibility to spend their day how they want it, right? This is, t- this is tough for everybody. So people have different, people have different needs right now and do they want to, different schedules stuff like that this is you know this is just perfect to uh to do that um so i think it's good that there's that level of flexibility um when you're having like a detailed a technical conversation with somebody on zoom and you know it can get a little tedious it can get a little yeah it can it can because you're not necessarily there to where you can just be like uh give me your keyboard i'll show you there's still some of that that's lost right. in translation. There's still some of that, yeah. The tools, are, I mean, the tools are there, but the fluidity of being able to do that as seamlessly as being next to the person isn't quite there. It's like 70% of that experience. Like, you can share a code, you can share code and live code together. It's not perfectly seamless. You know, if somebody's in a relatively busy apartment and they've got the windows open and stuff like that it's noisy things you know what it's like it's just you know it's not completely seamless and um i did read i did read a thing i did see an article about like how much more stressful it is to actually try and communicate over zoom than in real life because because of all these things there's more barriers it's oh i can't hear you why are your headphones not in put in some fudging headphones what are you doing (laughs) what is that background you have i can't see your face (laughs) go next to a window what are you doing i can't even see you yeah yeah so there's a lot of that even even the even the tiny things they end up kind of like detracting from your goal of what the conversation is and that adds you know it's tiring it's tiring to do that for several hours a day uh what is the process so was, sorry continue go on um what is gonna... yeah go ahead <laughs> we, we were just talking about this and then it happened yeah. over facetime <laughs> <laughs> yeah go uh, ahead please just please call, just call me later when you stop working <laughs> uh <clears throat> if i could just fix that extra 20 like if that right. extra 20 percent was there then it would be very right dangerous. Yeah, I've been seeing, you know, people do different things to have that accountability. I've heard a lot of people starting things like on Slack channels, like a a new hashtag working channel where they'll send selfies of them at their desk to encourage like the camaraderie. And then people basically at the start of the day will basically do three bullet points of what they're going to get done. And then they loop back at the end of the day and give a short account of like did they accomplish that how how do you keep track of a team are there any specific things that you do well you've just described classic agile classic is what is classic agile agile uh, is it a tool like a 
it's a it's a it's a methodology oh. of software development. Oh well, tell me. Okay, yeah, go. What is that? Well, there's many. There's kind of different. There's kind of different facets to it. But one of the key things is like a daily stand-up, which is a very brief meeting, so brief that you don't need to sit down. So I call it a stand-up. And you you stand in a circle, and each person says takes thirty seconds to a minute, no longer. Um, this is what I did yesterday. This is what I'm going to do today, and this. And this is what is preventing me from getting whatever done. Um, so there's a degree of accountability there. You go around the team, do this very quickly, and that's basically it. So we try to emulate that. Yeah, we try to emulate that with a morning meeting on Zoom gotcha. every day, same time. So you say, um, this is what I got done yesterday. Couldn't do this because of this. So I'm going to fix that today and then also do do that. So you basically have that every morning. You don't meet back up at the end of the day. It's just a morning thing. Yeah, we don't do it at the end of the day. We just do that. We do that thing. We just do that one okay, thing every yeah. day. We 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 don't. We're not religious about the thirty seconds either, because obviously this is the, this is right. probably the only time daily that some of the team <laughs> are seeing each other. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone talk to me. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Okay, one yeah. more thing, because I know you need to get food. We can't, we, you, you can't go hungry. What's on, what's on the docket? Have you guys been cooking? Cooking? Yeah. We're going personal now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, tons of cooking. I'm curious. Yeah. Do you have any insight for us? Because we're all trying to cook right now. The struggle is real. I, I've made, really yo, real. I have made so much pasta. I think I'm gaining weight because all the carbs. I love pasta and it's so easy to make. Pasta, ravioli, dumplings, yeah. anything I can just throw into a pot. Or like let yep. sizzle. Yeah, I got that, <laughs> but that's yeah, that's to the extent though. <laughs> Nothing yeah. more than that. Uh, yeah, well, that's definitely a go-to. Uh, what do we have? Oh, shout out. Yeah. Mosaic. 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 Um, as a you know a delivery. Delivery thing. I want to say like some basket or whatever, but it's not quite like that. They're frozen, but they're really good. How do you spell it? Mosaic. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. M O S A I C. And they're like a delivery service. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, is it vegan? Plant based? Yes. <gasps> wow. Uh, yeah. John would be so happy. Yeah. Um. They were actually pretty delicious. But they are a fallback, right? This is like when if you if you if you're working away and suddenly it's like, you know, nine thirty in our right. case, then we don't want to start thinking about cooking at nine thirty. So, um, wow, these, that these butternut squash risotto looks amazing. Yes, peanut that's, tofu that's, bowl. That's mm. also pretty good. Okay, well, shout out to Mosaic Foods, sponsor the pod. The mushroom and truffle risotto is my favorite, actually. Interesting. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. There you the go. $15 off. Code first box. They <laughs> don't worry about it. There you go. Code peachy. Um, okay, last Code thing. Peachy. <laughs> Code peachy. So last okay. thing I want to talk about was some news broke over the past few days, which is hilarious that this is still happening because, you know, the world is ending. You would think companies raising tens of millions of dollars would halt. But... There was a bidding war in between two really big VC firms, the Andreessen Horowitz versus Benchmark, 
over who was going to lead the raise for Clubhouse. And so not only did Clubhouse raise a Series A from A16Z, which is Andreessen's Horowitz. Am I saying his name right? I think so. Okay, it's that dude. I don't have a problem with your pronunciation. Okay, there you go. So they, they won, right? And because of that, because those two firms were fighting over it, there were things beyond just raising money. And the two founders, I've, I didn't know this existed, they got what do they call it? Secondary shares where each of them right. got a million bucks. I didn't even know right. this thing. And then can you explain? I, I still don't have that great of an understanding, but do you have any idea what Clubhouse is? Because it really started with just Silicon Valley people talking about it and it seemed very niche. And, you know, there's people joking on Twitter. Oh my gosh, there's like eight people on Clubhouse. That's a bajillion dollars per user customer acquisition. Do you have any idea what Clubhouse um, is and why are people fighting over raising money for it? And why is this happening? To honest, yeah, to be honest, no. I mean, I, download, I went to download it. I'm not even is sure it, I Is it in the, the right App thing. Store? It's literally is just a voice a team, chat. A I thought it was a live streaming thing, but it's literally just a voice chat app. So there's no video. Well, there you go. I completely downloaded the wrong, yeah. <laughs> no that's the thing i don't i don't think it's i don't think it's e even on the app store it's only via test flight so that's that's why people are like oh it's exclusive <laughs> oh i see <laughs> so they're they're at a 100 million dollar valuation okay here we go clubhouse is a voice-based social media app with less than 5,000 beta test users prospective listeners have to sign up for a waitlist via google form here we go with the waitlist stuff as the app is not yet in the app store several months ago clubhouse had zero users it didn't yet exist okay that was a dumb sentence. Now, after a competitive funding round that pitted two of Silicon's best-known venture capital firms, Clubhouse is now valued at $100 million. Clubhouse has raised a Series A funding round by Andreessen Horowitz. Multiple sources tell Forbes in a deal that includes $10 million in primary capital and at least $2 million in secondary shares, valuing the company around $100 million. You know, it's funny how articles just say the same thing over and over. Like, that could have been two sentences, you know? Yeah, so people are saying for a company of its size and maturity, Clubhouse funding is very unusual. So the app, which allows users to join open virtual rooms and listen to others have free-flowing conversations, you raise your hand to be invited to speak or get tapped by those already speaking to more actively participate, has, prov has proven red hot with venture capital. Isn't that Discord? How is that not just Discord? Oh, I just saw yeah, I saw it was, I don't know what the difference is, but I saw it was closely aligned with oh, similar to, yeah. Adam, I'm telling you, if we don't have a bajillion dollars in fundraising for a switchboard, I'm going to be asking questions. Well, I don't need this. I don't need this. We definitely don't need this level of... Um... <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. I think that's the joy in having a product that is self-sufficient is you don't have to rely on funding. But then it's almost like you have this chip on your shoulder when you see people like this get so much money for such a not special idea. You start thinking, well, give me money. Give us money. Well, yeah, but it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because, like, you know... 
when you take money, that that's when you get a boss. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. That's right. One hundred. Right, right now, we're just kicking around our apartments and our pajamas. Yeah. I don't know if you would. I, don't, I actually put on jeans today, which is a great yeah. first step in the right direction. Yeah. Like we don't have a care in the world. It's like you take ten million, and you know, somebody comes along and says they think you're worth a hundred million. You go, yep, and then you go home and think, eh, okay. So now we need to. But I do want to shout out to Clubhouse.io, which is another clubhouse which has probably seen many more downloads, including me, one of them. Uh, another project management tool. Wow! So they're probably crushing it. It's another Asana. Look at this. Yeah. Oh, that is. I mean, so I, funny. I downloaded that. I downloaded that and signed up, and I was. I thought myself, you... I don't know what the fuck is about. <laughs> Oh, that is funny. Um, well, Adam, it's been a pleasure. Are you going to start your Twitch live streams? You said you wanted to live code for people. I'm going to be doing some live coding. Okay, and so people should. My, it's going to be for my Twitch fam, uh, my Twitter fam. That is okay. So everyone, follow Adam on Twitter. Adam underscore Barker underscore. Is that underscore right? Underscore Adam underscore Barker. Oh, see, I was close. <laughs> Cut that bit. I was that bit right. so close. <laughs> <laughs> underscore Adam <laughs> underscore Barker. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's a lot of Adam Barkers. It's annoying. So yeah. people can follow uh, you there for the updates. And you're going to be solving a problem via the magic of code and people can come join. And then you got to you gotta train there because then in a month, once we... Because, you know, I, I get some some tweets here and there or little little comments of like sarah what's switchboard well you guys will know eventually it's the the little project oh, adam and close. adam and uh i are doing so in a month's time once we start actually talking about things and interacting with you guys because we have a switchboard discord as well where we actually showed a screenshot of the software that we're making which is crazy that's scandalous that's what 30 people saw that so it's a very exclusive club oh, you know, so we do have, yeah, we do have that discord, um, that you guys can sign up in the show notes below, but, um, in a month's time, that's all I'm giving you, Adam, before your coding live streams are going to go on the switchboard YouTube channel. So no pressure. Yeah. You said I've got to do four in a month. Yeah. I think it's fine. I think you can do it. I'm I'm definitely ready for that. Yeah. Obviously I've got to spend $9,000 on my setup. Of course. No, of course. Obviously. And that was yeah, the one so. time that I've been like, oh, no, sorry, I can't help you. I probably actually have a another light, and we'll just, I'll tell you about it later. But thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, it's just, uh, I mean, this is the highlight of, <laughs> of your life, of my right? life. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you for taking the time to get everything set up. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this Monday's episode of That Creative Life. Thanks for hanging out with us. Follow us down in the show notes below. And until next time, thanks for listening. 